Welcome to 7-Minute Torah. I'm Rabbi Micah Streifer. In this podcast, we explore the weekly Torah portion in about 7 to 10 minutes. We make modern meaning out of ancient texts, exploring them through liberal Jewish eyes. Sometimes it's just me, and other weeks I'm in conversation with another rabbi or a Jewish thought leader. Alright, welcome everyone. This week's Parsha is Shalach Lecha, and it is Numbers Bamidbar, chapters 13 through 15. The words Shalach Lecha mean send, because the Parsha opens with these words, Vaidaber Adonai al-Moshe Lemor, God spoke to Moses, saying, Shalach Lecha anashim v'yaturu et eretz kanan. Send people, send scouts, to scout out the land of Canaan. So Moses is commanded to send this group of meraglim, they're called in Hebrew, which means essentially foot scouts, those who walk the land, to check out what the land of Israel is going to look like. And their instructions sound like this, again from chapter 13 of Numbers, go up there into the Negev and into the hill country and see what kind of country it is. Are the people who dwell there weak or strong, few or many? Is the country in which they dwell good or bad? Are the towns they live in open or fortified? Is the soil rich or poor? Is it wooded or not? And take pains to bring back some of the fruit of the land. So their instructions are specifically to scout out both the goodness of the land and also the strength of the people living there so that the Israelites can assess what it will be like to make their way into the land, to make a home in this country surrounded by other people. Now, I gave a little teaser last week. I said that this is going to be the week where the Israelites learn that they will have to wander in the desert for 40 years. The amount of time they spent in the desert so far is surprisingly little. It's really been only a matter of months before they make their way to the promised land. But the incident that happens next is the reason that the Israelites have to wander for the next 40 years. The scouts bring back a report where they essentially say, the land is good, but the people are scary. Big, strong, scary. And all the Israelites rebel against God, against Moses. And so God either punishes them with having to wander in the desert for 40 years for this infraction, or causes them to have to wander so that they can grow in capability and ultimately be able to settle the land. And I'll invite you, if you're interested, to listen to my 2020 podcast on this Parsha, which is on the topic of growth mindset, the idea that it wasn't a punishment, but rather they needed this time in order to grow into it. But what I wanted to talk about today was actually the scouts themselves and the report that they bring back. When we read this Parsha, we often talk about the scouts as if they badmouthed the land, lied about the land, said bad things that led the people astray. That's not exactly what happens. Let me read you from Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. It says that the scouts came back and say, We came to the land you sent us to. It does indeed flow with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. And they show the people these giant grapes that they're carrying. However, the people who inhabit the country are powerful, and their cities are fortified and very large. 
Then they go on to name some of those people and where they live in the land. So the report that the scouts bring back is not a bad-mouthing of the land. It's not intended to lead the people astray, to foment a rebellion, or lead the people to want to go back to Egypt. It's actually made up of facts. Number one, it's a good land. It's got good fruit. Number two, it's got big, scary people in it. Neither of those is a value judgment on what they saw. It's simply a report of what they saw. But what happens next gives us a little bit of a sense of the mindset of the scouts and of the people. What happens next is that we start to get interpretations of the report that's just been given. Caleb, who is one of the scouts, stands up and says, Let's go. Let's go. Go up to the land and gain possession of it. Because we can do it. But then most of the other scouts sort of shout him down and say, No way, we can't do it. They are stronger than we are. And it's that interpretation that leads to the rebellion, that leads to the punishment, that ultimately leads to the people wandering for 40 years. And what's interesting to think about is that Caleb and, and Joshua, who's on his side, saw the exact same things as the other ten scouts. They came back and gave the same report. They reported the same facts as the other scouts. And yet, they interpreted them completely differently. So what was it that Caleb and Joshua experienced or saw or knew that caused them to give such a different interpretation of the same facts? And I don't really know the answer to that question. Maybe they had greater faith in God. Maybe they had more confidence in the people's ability. Maybe they had lived through something, experienced something over the years that caused them to believe in the people's capability to overcome these obstacles. We don't know. The Torah doesn't tell us. But as I was reading this, it reminded me of another book one written in modern times, that is also about or touches on the question of our power to interpret events around us. The book is called Man's Search for Meaning, and it's written by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl is or was a psychoanalyst, and he was a Holocaust survivor. His book is really about his experience in Auschwitz. And in it, Frankl describes the experience of concentration camp life from a psychological perspective. He writes about the transition that every prisoner went through from the shock of arriving in the camp to the apathy that they developed as they got used to its conditions. He writes about the blunting of emotions, about the ways that camp prisoners would set up a protective shell around themselves. But Viktor Frankl also writes about places where humanity was still to be found in the camps and that people can choose to find goodness even in the worst of surroundings. And that language of choosing, I think, is really key to Viktor Frankl's message. He writes about what he calls the last of the human freedoms. Here, let me read to you from page 86 of Man's Search for Meaning. We who lived in concentration camps can remember the men who walked through the huts comforting others, giving away their last piece of bread, they offer sufficient proof that everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances. 
So Viktor Frankl, who lived through the worst possible situation, came out of that situation having learned a lesson. The only thing that can never be taken away from you is your ability to choose your own attitude. None of us get to choose what happens to us. None of us get to choose our circumstances. All that we can choose is how we think about and how we respond to those circumstances. That's what Frankl teaches us out of the depths of the camps, and maybe it's what this Parsha is teaching us also. I mean, Joshua and Caleb, they didn't live through something different or experience something different than the other scouts. They chose to see it differently. They chose a different attitude or to see something different in the situation. They saw opportunity. They saw challenges to be overcome rather than seeing the potential or the inevitability of failure. And therefore, they believed it was possible to reach their goal. Just like Frankel says, people who saw the possibility of humanity believed that it was possible to remain human in those inhumane circumstances. So ultimately, God willing, none of us will have to live through anything like what Frankel did, or like what the scouts did in the desert. But we have things that happen to us all the time, all kinds of things. And the message of this Parsha is, you choose. You choose how you understand and how you respond to those things. It's not always easy, but there is always a path to humanity, a path to giving to others, to generosity, to growing into our best selves. We can't escape adversity, but we can choose to respond to it in ways that help others and that help ourselves grow. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to 7-Minute Torah. If you enjoy this program, I'd appreciate if you'd leave a review on whatever podcast app you're listening on. You can also join us in our Facebook group, 7-Minute Torah, Listen and Discuss. Please join me again next week as we make modern meaning out of ancient texts. Thank you.